Oh, favorite TV show? MASH. Oh, I love MASH. That's love another MASH. one. I could do a podcast on MASH. Yeah, I don't think they're... Ooh. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the episode-by-episode episode podcast. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of Winging It. I have an awesome, awesome guest, and this is the first time that we've actually been on a podcast together, although we've talked before. I've got the main man, the Atari legend, Mr. Ferg. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Rob? Thanks for having me on. Oh, of course, man. We are way overdue. I've, I've known you, Ferg, for like what, three, four years, and we've talked about doing a podcast forever, and it's it's kind of funny that just now, finally, we're doing, we're getting to do it. Yeah, we actually met in person, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. We did. We did. Ferg was kind enough to come my way. Uh, it was right after my, my son was born, uh, so right around Christmas time. And uh, yeah. he, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at the cup that you gave me, the Ninja Turtle one right now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So cool. So cool. I got it right now. It says, all I want for Christmas is pizza. <laughs> so listen, man, um, I vote we just uh, we go ahead and grab some wings and just shoot the breeze. What, what about you? Sounds good. I'm up for some wings. Let's Let's go. All right. It's a very retro saying, but true with honest thought That if you become a podcaster by hosers, you'll be taught As a host, I've been learning, and forgive me if I boast That now I've come an expert on the host, and I dig most Getting to know Ferg Getting to know Ferg Getting to know all about Ferg Getting to dig Ferg, getting to hope he digs me. Getting to know Ferg, putting it my way, but nicely. You are precisely my bowl of wings. Getting to know Ferg, always talking about that Atari. I am the walrus, it's one of his favorite songs. Don't rag on the Beatles, I'm pretty sure that he will cut you. I think I messed up. He's Ferg, he's Ferg the Podfather. Getting to know Ferg, getting to know all about Ferg. Sing it, kids. Getting to dig Ferg, getting to hope he digs me. Getting to know Ferg, putting it my way but nicely. You are precisely my bowl of wings. So, Ferg, what kind of wings are you going to get, my man? I just get the regular hot wings. Ah, classy, classy. I kind of grew up on wings. My, uh, we have relatives in Niagara Falls, which is near Buffalo. 
So every oh. time we went up there, we would have hot wings. So I grew up with them. Oh, so you got the good stuff. Yeah, and I actually did go to the place where they were originated in Anchor Bar in Buffalo. Really? Yeah, because I, th- I, th- I always heard there was a big controversy over which place in Buffalo was the first. Yeah, there is. I can't remember the name of the other place, but the Anchor Bar is the one we went to. I, their wings were pretty good. Not Just the best good? I've ever had. Yeah, not the best. Wow, what about yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, as a matter of fact, Landon and I, the whole inspiration for the Winging It show was uh, we went to this place called O'Malley's in Silver, North Carolina. And, you know, I've, I, of course, I'm from Philly, and there's a lot of wing joints up in Philly and oh, yeah. New Jersey. But, oh, man, it just seems like no one can top uh, O'Malley's. And I've been to so many different places. And it's got just the right crispy texture. It's a thing of beauty. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of times we, we would just, uh, you know, eat wings and discuss, you know, classic games and stuff long before we, we decided to start podcasting and stuff. So it's kind of funny that things are going full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, do you like, how do you feel about breading on chicken wings? Uh, you know, I don't hate it, but I have to be in the mood for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So most of the time I just like my wings kind of like naked wings and then just dip them in the sauce. Extra crispy. Oh, so you don't like the sauce on it already? Ah. Uh, it, it depends. It depends on what sauce it is. If it's like an orange glaze, yes, I like that on my wings. But if it's a hot sauce, I don't really want it to soak into the stuff and make oh, it kind of okay. soggy. I don't like my wings soggy. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> that makes sense. I never thought of it that way. I've always had it with the sauce right on it. Now, if it's already kind of crispy anyway, most of the time the hot sauce won't make it too soggy. But you know. That's true. So anyways, man, I guess I need to start from the beginning. I actually, I don't know if you know this, but I actually remember... On the Atari Age forums, I had just joined the forums. I think I was listening, or no, I was perusing the forums for the Two Worthy Podcast forums. You know, the right, infamous, right. Uh, it's Two Worthy Podcast forums, and uh, I remember this is long before the Retro Jackie started. And uh, there were so many great recommendations for podcasts, and of course, yeah. I was a diehard Retro League fan. So I, I remember the discussion you were having with S1500 and uh, a few others about considering starting an Atari podcast. So can you kind of take us back to that time? Like what really kind of made you feel led to go in that direction? I guess I, I wanted to do a podcast because I resisted them for a long time. My wife kept bugging me to listen to podcasts. You'll like it. And like, no, I'm not going to like that. I'd listen to music instead. <laughs> and then I got a, an iPod for my birthday and then I was like, all right, I'll try some. And then I just got hooked after that. And then I wanted to do one. Naturally, I think that's, I think that usually follows along. If you really like something, you want to do it yourself. And then I, so I was listening. There weren't as many classic gaming podcasts back then as there are now. <laughs> and I don't remember which one it was, but one of them got, uh, the first nine 2600 games came out in a gatefold box. And somebody said that, Oh, those don't look like real boxes. They thought they were bootlegs or something like that. And I was like, no, they're, <laughs> those are real boxes. I, I have to, I have to, that was kind of the turning point that made me, because I had been thinking about it for a long time, but that was like, all right, I need to start doing this now. So what time period was that? Was that around 2012 or? Late 2012, yeah. I had recorded um, like a sample episode in 2010. <laughs> oh, you just, did? did you? Oh, yeah. And I couldn't, I just couldn't pull the plug on it. Was was that the one where you, uh, was it episode 100 or one of your Christmas episodes where you actually played that I one? I suck it in the Christmas episode. Ah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. What about that? So that was a couple years before you even, you know, went full time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I think you and I had discussed this before, you know, was there kind of a pretty long delay, you know, between the idea of having the show and actually carrying through with it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I just didn't I didn't feel comfortable doing it. I felt like 
I wasn't the right person for it, that I wasn't qualified enough to do it. But then I figured out that the only way to be qualified for a podcast <laughs> is to do it. So, yeah, have a microphone and a yeah. headset, you're good to go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's your qualifications. Yeah. I mean, you don't even, you don't really need money. You could just put it on archive.org. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And do all that stuff yourself and get a free blog spot or um, what's the other one? WordPress. Yeah. And then yeah. you're all set. Well, you know, that, that, was, that was me, too. That was one of those things I, I'd never felt worthy to do a podcast because mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't an expert. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people kind of struggle with. You know, they think, oh, well, you know, I do enjoy these things, but I'm no expert. You know, if anybody's like me, you're immediately afraid because I'm not an expert, people are going to criticize me and question me in every single episode. And, right, right. Uh, and that's what prevented me for a long time actually pursuing this. And I, and I remember I was uh, driving up to my buddy Landon's house uh, and he was moving and I'd been listening to the Retro League for quite some time and, yeah. uh, and I thought man those guys just seem like nice guys they're just randomly talking about games and why not and you know what I'm tired of being shy about it why not just give it a try right and ooh, I'll tell you those first few episodes it was definitely a growing process <laughs> I like, of course yeah because you don't you know you go from doing not doing something and doing something it, there's definitely a learning curve oh absolutely and I, I am not a tech savvy guy at all um, right so editing was something i was completely new to me and, and foreign to me and stuff so it, it took a while and then the audio balancing um that took forever you know because landon yeah. would always be louder than me and then i'd have to i think the old I, I can't remember what it was but there were several episodes where i had to literally highlight everything i said and then boost the volume on everything for the entire oh, episode no. <laughs> oh it took forever so some of those episodes would take four or five hours to edit sometimes even longer oh and it still didn't sound great, and I was like, oh, boy. And then my wife would be looking at me. She, I'd, pr I'd promise her that we'd be shopping in the morning. She'd be looking at me like, seriously? <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, I don't know if this happens to you, but like when you're editing, doesn't time fly by? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it does. It goes by too fast. Yeah. Too fast. Like, as a matter of fact, I woke up this morning, and uh, my goal was to prep for the next Turtle Flakes episode, right. edit the previous Turtle Flakes episode, and uh, do all this thing, all this stuff. And I was like, I could get it done in two hours. Not even close. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Not even close. No, two hours is maybe like a half hour of audio. Uh, you know, that's maybe. about right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I don't know if it's for you, but editing is probably the thing that takes me the longest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And especially, man, I have so much respect for you because you just talk solo the entire time for a whole hour straight. That is it's, so hard. It is very hard, yeah. <laughs> I'm too much of a control freak to to find. And I was too chicken to find a co-host too. So, well, I, I, I'm surprised because you sound. You know, I've listened to Atari Visions. I love that show, and you you guys just play off each other so well. But it's funny. Well, thank you. Absolutely, no, absolutely, man. I'm I'm a big fan, and um, it's funny how similar we are in that aspect. I feel the same way. That's why I have to any episode that I'm on or any show that I'm on. I feel that I have to be the one to edit it, not because necessarily you know I, you know the control freak thing but it's more like i have so many quirks i have i'm so repetitive there's yes. things about me that bother me so i want to go ahead and edit my portion out 90 percent of the stuff i edit is me right <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> uh, it really is i say uh or um or i'm giggling too much which uh you know i'll, I'll skip over that <laughs> but uh uh you know it, it's one of those things that 90 percent of the time it's me and uh i guess we're our own worst enemies in that way yeah, I, I did. It took me a while to get used to my own voice and the stupid things I do while I'm talking. Oh, gosh. But, uh, um, 
Yeah, I got I got over some of that stuff, so I let a lot of it go now. It just takes too long. If you're editing out every uh and, you know, like you said, I do the same thing that you said. I repeat myself quite a bit. Some of it I leave in, some of it I take out, but like the uhs and stuff. If they're connected to a word, I'm not going to try and disconnect the, Me too. the word. Yep. If I'm they're the separate, way. then I'll take it out. A lot of times I leave them in just because, exactly, if I were to take out every uh, I, it would be like a 12-hour editing session. You know? Right, yeah. <laughs> Easily. I've had those, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just crazy that, you know, there's certain quirks that, that we notice that maybe other people might not necessarily notice. But, uh, you know, we just feel like we got to edit it anyway. Yeah. But, um. So how many episodes are you in in Atari 2600 now? I'm going to finish up 126 tonight, or part two of 126. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. 126 episodes, man. And yeah. I, I remember when you first started, you were cranking them out, like, weekly. And I'm like, it was a, oh, how did you do I, I, don't, <laughs> I didn't have as much uh, feedback back then. Right, right. That's the big part of the show now is the feedback, which I really appreciate. I mean, almost every week... Like Greg from the SNES podcast, every week mm-hmm. I get a long email or audio submission from him. Matt D, you know Matt D. Oh, yeah. Retro Gaming Times and Strutters up until recently. I was getting uh, every every episode. so They almost come, yeah. become like parts of the show, like hosts of the show in a yeah. way. Yeah, I and mean, that's why Strutters has his own theme song. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and Matt has his little uh, Mighty Mouse thing. and I love it. I need to get something for Greg. I feel bad now. <laughs> I don't have anything for Greg. Well, you know, you're a Beatles fan. Maybe you could do like a Beatles spoof for Greg or something like that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Very cool. Very. I mean, you know, it, that's definitely that definitely helps when you, when you have uh, feedback from listeners. I mean, that's my favorite thing, and probably the most rewarding yeah. thing is knowing that there are so many people out there that just you had no idea were listening, and then they randomly reach out to you. That's probably the the coolest thing for me. So. I got to ask you, what, what are some of the coolest things that have happened to you since you've started podcasting? I mean, like, what are some of the major benefits you've had since starting? Well, I mean, besides all the great people I've met, and it's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I've met a lot of great people. <laughs> I got to go, I met you, and then I got to meet Kevin, who I do Please Stand By with. I met him in person. Oh, awesome. I got to go to, um, are you familiar with Now You're Playing With Podcast? Uh, I've listened to several episodes because yeah. of the Atari forums, and uh, I really like the show. Very good. Yeah, they're on a kind of a dry spell right now, but I got to go and play games with those guys, which was great. That's awesome. And um, Kevin, a different Kevin, sent me a computer. <laughs> I needed a computer, and he sent me a computer. <laughs> oh, was that the one where you were talking about on the Christmas episode recently? Yes. Love, yes. love that episode. Probably yeah. my favorite episode you ever did. Thank you. Absolutely. And you said you didn't even edit that episode, which is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I think that was the only one. I'm sure I did some editing on it. No, <laughs> <out of> it. <laughs> well, that's like winging it. It's like I don't do as much, but every now and then I still cut some stuff out. I'm like, oh, I can't leave that in. Right, right. I mean, even with two people, yeah, every once in a while there's going to be a lull or something like that. And, you know, you want to tighten it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, mat- no, no matter how much chemistry you have with somebody, it's there's always going to be something you need to cut out, you know. Yeah. That's why I got a blooper reel in just about every episode. <laughs> yeah, I love your blooper reel so much. <laughs> oh, Landon, I'll tell you, in a lot of the skits that we would do, Landon would just crack me up so much because at first I wrote the skits, and then after a while I was just like, let's just let's just wing this. You know, really? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's and, awesome. And, oh yeah, well, the, like the um, I don't know if you ever heard it, but the uh, the Rocky skit where um, I was cha- uh, basically Mick was training me um, yeah. for changing diapers and stuff. <laughs> uh, that was all improv from Landon, and I was dying. So, like, the, if the, you listen to the blooper reel, I 
I cut out all my laughs in the skit, but oh, it's all in the blooper reel. I was dying. He, that's he, funny. He's just a naturally funny guy. And, he is uh, very funny. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. And his impressions. His Hulk Hogan impression is amazing. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, let's go uh, back to the video game talk for a minute uh, okay. because I want to ask you about the Atari's 2600, but I also want to pick your brain about systems that you, you might have played that weren't necessarily Atari. So, sure. first of all, rapid fire, what's your favorite Atari 2600 game? Adventure. Why? Um, that was the first time that I felt like I got lost in a game, I guess, and I really enjoyed that feeling. Yeah, back then you definitely had to have the manuals, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, well, for some of them, yeah. Um, Later on, they got really complex, and, and you definitely need the manuals. Like, I just did, I'm finishing up Crawl, and that was, you definitely need the manual for that one. But if you're playing, like, Home Run or something like that, you don't, you don't really need it. Right. You know, you, right. You'll figure it out. But the Adventure is a little, yeah, you, you do need the manual, because I remember people said that they didn't know what they had to do. Absolutely, so, yeah, I did. And, <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's just like, you know, I, that was the first game I bought after I got the um, 2600. First game I bought myself. And I just wow. absolutely fell in love with it. And, and we found the, my friend Kenny and I found the dot a couple of years after that. And it was great. Oh, that's so cool. So was that the first uh, game you reviewed? No, no. I did combat first. I did an, I'm doing them in um, part number order. Oh, that's so, right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Adventure is 2615. So that came a little later. All right. Uh, what about favorite arcade game? What's one of your favorites? <sighs> it's hard because... <laughs> <laughs> well, give me your top three. How about that? I'll, I'll, ease, okay. I'll ease up on you. All right. Top three would be Donkey Kong would definitely be in there. Food Fight would definitely be in there. Oh, Food Fight fan. That's one of my all-time favorites. Yes. I love Food Fight. They... You know, me too. And, you know, I've only seen one cabinet in person before. Where'd you see that? I saw it. It was at a bowling alley um, in New Jersey by my dad's house, and uh, it had Food Fight. It had The Simpsons Beat 'em Up, which came out much later. Oh, then, wow. Uh, and then something else. I think it was just like a Miss Pac-Man and a few other, um, like Mortal Kombat. It was early 90s, but they, Food Fight and Pac-Man were about the earliest machines they had there. Wow, and they still had Food Fight. That's pretty I know, amazing. I know, which is kind of more, uh, not necessarily obscure, but definitely not as popular as the other ones. Yeah. All right, so what's your number three, my man? Uh, uh, I'd say Tempest. A Tempest. Yeah, That's a good one. That I is love, a good one. It's a I guess it's technically a paddle game, and I really love paddle games. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've never actually played one like in an arcade cabinet. Oh, really? I feel so ashamed. Like I wish I grew up. I grew up in the wrong decade, man. No, I, you know, <laughs> I I think that sometimes too. But then I realize, well, you know, that I wouldn't have video games growing up if That's I grew true. up when I wanted to. So. <laughs> No, that's very true. I, I almost wish that, you know, I could have been there for the golden age, you know, of the arcades. I wish I could have been there because the early 90s arcades were still around, but I don't think they were quite as big as what they were in the early 80s. No, know? no, for sure. Right. Even in the early 90s, though, that adrenaline, you know, when you have a whole bunch of people huddled around you, say if you're, I don't know, playing Street Fighter 2 or say mm -hmm. if you're um, making it really far in X-Men or Turtles or, you know, some of those early 90s games, people would start, you know crowding around the machine and it was adrenaline rushing it was really fun plus the yep. social aspect of getting out of the house was right <laughs> something something my parents highly encouraged because i think they were tired of dealing with me <laughs> yeah yeah you don't get that much anymore no, unfortunately no, most no. of the places are all redemption games yeah and every once in a while well actually pinball is kind of coming back they had a lot of companies now like jersey jacks pinball and is it stern that makes new tables now i think it's stern stern yes yes yeah i, I think 
I think they were the one who made the Ghostbusters one, which looks amazing. Yeah. I, and I love that. I love that pinball machines are starting to come back because, you know, I thought that at, for a while, and there was a documentary I watched on it. What was it called? Um, Special When Lit. Have you seen yes. that? Yes, yes. Well, very yeah. kind of depressing, you yeah, know, because <laughs> you could see pinballs were kind of dying by the end of that, yeah. that documentary. I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to see them go. Yeah. Of course, I can't afford any of them, but... Uh. Right, no, especially now. <laughs> they're a lot more expensive nowadays. Oh, absolutely. But I would love to have any pinball machine. I, I love pinball. One of the things, going back to me not being tech-savvy at all, one of the things I wish that I knew about was restoring arcade games and restoring old pinball machines. You know, buying something and, you know, that's absolutely dead that somebody wants to get rid of from their storage shed or their garage right. and be able to restore it um, to, you know, bring it back to life. But... Uh, I don't know anything about that stuff. I wish there was like a encyclopedia for restoring <laughs> pinball arcades. If, there, if there's anybody out there listening that knows of one or is thinking about making one, please, please let us know. And there's one called YouTube, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're right, and uh, of course Willie, he's he knows quite a bit about that. Oh stuff. yeah, he's electronics wizard. Yeah, I know, I know. Willie and Josh, they're kind of like uh, Egon and Donatello for me. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> I know some people have said that. You know, they they started getting into arcade collecting, and they didn't know anything about it. But you, it's just like podcasting; you just do it. Oh, absolutely! And then you learn how to do it along the way. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, one book that really kind of gave me the fever to collect arcades was um, "Invading Spaces" by Rob O'Hara. Oh, you, have you yeah. read that? I haven't read that one yet. Oh, no. it's good. He is what a writer he is. What a storyteller. He's great. Yeah, I really enjoy his his stuff. He's he's one of the best, if not the best. You know. Besides you, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Present company excluded. Uh, but yeah, just what a storyteller he is, and that's just an incredible book. As a matter of fact, I bought another one because I lent I lent one out to one of my friends, but I can't even remember who it was. Oh no! So, <laughs> I was like, here, read this, and I can't even remember who it was, and I, that was a year ago. So yeah, guess they must not. Yeah, they probably forgot about me. It's like you know when we were kids when we lent uh, games to friends and they. Kind oh of forgot. yeah, and it was the worst when you when you didn't get it back from them and then. You know, five five years later, you you buy the same thing at, at a garage sale for yeah, fifty right, cents exactly. or something like that. <laughs> oh yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so funny. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, my first few games, I got them all the same year, um, same Christmas. I got Batman for Nintendo. That was my first system. Right. Um, Batman, Turtles Two. What was the other one? Oh, and the 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 Great White Buffalo. The 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 thing that I completely forgot about was Tecmo Pro Wrestling. Oh, okay. Because I remembered early on having an, a wrestling game that had commentary at the bottom, and I thought that was the neatest thing. Hmm. And I lent it to a friend. I, I still remember his name, Chris Green. I remember. <laughs> remember. So if you're out there, Chris, you still got it, man. <laughs> and I remember lending it to him, and then he moved away, and I never got it back. And yep. for years, I was like, I remember there was a wrestling game I had, and I couldn't remember the title oh, of it. Oh, okay. And, and then I remember seeing it in a store. I was like, that cover looks familiar. Yeah. Uh, so I bought it for about five bucks, and I put it in, and that was the game that I had had one of my first uh, video games of all time. So that's so awesome when that comes back to you like that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's how I was feeling in the mid '90s when I started picking up all these Atari games. That's right, because you you had I remember hearing this on your show that you had gotten rid of your stuff for a while, and then you yeah. came back. And for how how long you say? Because um, you know Atari obviously late '70s, early '80s. Did you have a Nintendo when it first came out, or did you get one later? I think my sister got one in 87, Christmas of 87, I think, or 88. I'm not sure. It had the um, Mario Duck Hunt cartridge in it, so it wasn't an earlier one. 
did you still have all your Atari stuff then, or did you already sold it at that point? Um, I don't. I think we did have it, but I don't. I don't remember bringing it out at all. Oh wow! And I don't remember what happened to it. It eventually went away. So. Right, I know that's that's ninety percent of my toys. What happened to them? I know yeah. I didn't throw them out, but you know, with all those moves, sometimes somehow things just they disappear. They're on an yeah. island in Misfit Toys somewhere. That's right. Yeah. So you know, why the Atari? Is it just because it was your first console? Yeah, or? that's all. Yeah, and I wanted to play all the games. I wanted to at least try them because a lot of the games I just plugged in to see if they worked, and then took them right out again and never got into them. And some of them have been really a lot of fun discovering some of these games. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing about um, your show that I love so much. I remember when it first came out, I didn't actually have an Atari myself. I had seen one. It's it's funny. I had seen one when I was a kid at mm-hmm. uh, my aunt's house, and I was probably about four or five, one of my earliest memories, and I had just gotten my Nintendo, and I remember my aunt saying, yeah, uh, she was babysitting us that day, and the house was so boring, and I didn't know what to do, and uh, <laughs> the sweet lady. But uh, she's like, oh, yeah, I got a Nintendo in the back room. And I was oh, like, no. Yeah. So I was like, oh, there's a Nintendo back there? All right. Get some Mario's going. Uh, so I go in there, and I was like, what is this? One oh, button? No. <laughs> I was like, what is this? <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And um, she called it Nintendo. I was like, this must be a weird version of Nintendo. Yeah. And I, I didn't know how to play. And I was, so, you know, I, I don't even remember what game I had played. But uh, so until that moment until all the way up to I think 2008 or 2009 Landon and I went to a flea market in Asheville and there was an Atari 2600 boxed in um, that this person was selling for I think 60 bucks and oh wow yeah I don't I don't remember if it was inside there was a place that kind of price gouged inside the flea market they had their own store but I think this I think I got this from a lady outside who I guess didn't know what she was selling so I, I snagged it and I remember getting a lot of games uh, with it, and yeah. I remember just being fascinated. This is a system I knew nothing about. Didn't have, didn't play any of these games growing up, um, except for you know some of the arcade, the the versions in the arcades. So listening to your show, it was like rediscovering these things that, um, or actually not rediscovering, discovering these things for the first time. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it was really cool. So I kind of tried to follow through with your show. You know, uh, anytime you were covering a game, I try to get that game. But when you were going weekly, I couldn't afford you know, all the games. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, he's killing me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you started in the 90s, it'd be a little easier and less expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you they were pretty. You know, it's, it's crazy how prices have gone up over the years. But I guess in the early 90s, you could get them very cheap. Or I guess yeah, mid-90s. Yeah, the 10 cents and a quarter. Right, right. A lot of games, yeah. And then I, I know uh, late 90s, Nintendo games were still pretty cheap. Yes. Yeah, now, you know, you get the same card for about 20 bucks, 30 bucks. <laughs> it's nuts. I know, I know. And the, the Atari prices got a little bit bad, but not as bad as the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you want to play a game, especially on this, if you want to play an RPG on Super Nintendo, you might as well forget oh, it. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. And speaking of Final Fantasy, let's dedicate the entire show to Final Fantasy. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know fans yeah. love that. <laughs> Yeah, S1500, I'll yeah, appreciate there we go. that. <laughs> let's see. Uh, well, you know, speaking of the Nintendo, let, let's go over to that. What, what's one of your favorite Nintendo games? Oh, Zelda, definitely. Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of yeah. got the whole adventure feel as well, so. Yep, yep. That's that's why it reminded me of that. The first time I saw somebody playing it, it reminded me of Adventure. When somebody, they 
uh, put the bomb against the wall, and they had that the, <laughs> the the hole in the wall showed up, and I was like, "That's just like Adventure. I yeah. need to buy this game right now." That is so cool. It was hard to find, though. You know back then. that that it's crazy. I think that came out June of 1986, which was the year I was born. So I don't remember when it had actually come out, but I got it. I think in 1991 or 1992, and it was still mm -hmm. kind of hard to find back then. And I remember, yeah. you know, the appeal of it being a golden cart. You're like, oh, <gasps> you know, yeah, it's just beautiful when you actually did see it. It, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, okay, going on to the Sega. Did you play a lot of Sega games growing up? I did played none. Really? No kidding. Until no, not not until um, after we got married. Wow. Uh, my wife wanted a PlayStation. She worked at KB, and she won a PlayStation for some kind of like store contest or something. And we played it for a little while. We didn't like it, and we traded it in. Oh wow! Genesis. No kidding. That is that's hilarious. <laughs> but I I never really got into it that much though. Oh, so I understand. I understand. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people that just didn't have one growing up. Uh, for me, I didn't have a Super Nintendo till the late '90s. Um, so Sega was my second console. I had that probably around 1991, 1992. So yeah. that was my. I had a Nintendo and a Sega all the way up until the PlayStation had come out. Um, so th those were my go-to consoles. Those two. Gotcha. And, you know, speaking of which, your show um, really, and I've told you this, but I don't know if I've told our listeners, um, Ferg's show was a huge inspiration for Genesis Gems. Um, I remember listening to Ferg's show and loving the game-by-game -game kind of thing. And you were pretty much the godfather of game-by-game -game podcasts, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I think you coined that, that, that uh, title. I guess I did, yeah. You did, you did. I remember thinking, man, I'd love to do that with a console I grew up with. And I said, well, there's a lot of Nintendo podcasts out there, but I don't know of that many Sega podcasts. And there's a lot right. more now. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And there were a few before us, like Sega Addicts and, uh, and a few others that are great shows. Um, but I was like, I'd love to do that for, this, for the Genesis. And that's when I talked to, I had just met my buddy Nick Stevens then. And he and I, you know, we become good friends over um, the Retro Junkies. And I was like, man, I'd love to do something with him someday. And that's where the whole idea came from, you know. And we, <laughs> again, one thing I learned the hard way, I had a lofty schedule. I was like, okay, we're going to do weekly episodes in addition right, to the Retro right. Junkie shows. And, yeah, that quickly fizzled out. And we quit the first two times when I was in charge of everything. Um, <laughs> that's when the show kind of tanked. <laughs> but when I said, dude, I'd love to do the show, but I want to be a co-host. I don't want to be the main guy. Uh, right. That's when I think it, it really did well, and when when Nick did, you know, handled most of the editing and uh, you know picking out the games and, and doing things like that. So it eventually turned into something, you know, that I guess my original v vision was, but it took a right. long time to get there. <laughs> yeah, uh, it does. I mean, it's it's you know it's never, it's always changing, always growing. I guess. Oh yeah. because you take in suggestions from people, or you think about a different way to do something, and then. You make it better so oh absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. so you know can, can i go uh get a little personal with you have you ever had any criticisms you know uh, with your show i'm just kind of curious because i can't think of anything about your show that i don't like i mean because one you're you're an incredibly nice humble co-host or host i should say two amazing content three you incorporate you're very interactive with your show you got a lot of feedback have you ever gotten any negative feedback I haven't. <laughs> what about that? That's great. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why, because I don't think it's good. So I think everybody else should not think it's good. But I've gotten a little bit 
less hard on myself as it's gone on. Well, like I said, going back to, you know, we're our own worst enemies. I've gotten yes. one uh, over this many years, you know, and no, I think maybe one or two, but that's it. You know, and that was my biggest fear. That was the big thing that was yes. preventing me from doing it. I'm like, oh, gosh. And yep. I still listen to myself uh, when I'm editing. Obviously, I have to. I cringe. But yes. it's been so nice that overall the reception has been very positive and, and people have been very encouraging. And that's the beauty of it, man. It's just like if anybody out there is listening and, and you want to do a podcast or, or you've been thinking about it for a long time and you want to do a show based on something you love – do it. Don't yeah. don't let that fear of I'm not good enough prevent you from doing it. You know, because right. you you are. Chances are you're your own worst enemy as well. Yeah, that's for sure. So, all right, man. Let, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, I want to okay. go. I want to talk about music real quick because okay, you and I have very similar taste in music. Your favorite band? You want to tell our listeners? The Beatles. <laughs> it's the Beatles. Uh, absolutely, yes. man. So I got to ask you, what's your favorite album? If you had to pick one, the White Album. Really? Now, why is that? I just think it's um, it's a big sprawling mess, <laughs> but I really, I really like that about. It's not safe, I guess. No, it's not. I, I mean, I don't think. Uh, I don't know how to say it. It's 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 more experimental, definitely than than the earlier records are. Now that the White Album that was before that was after Sgt. Pepper's, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, Sergeant Pepper's kind of opened the floodgates to, you know, all this creativity, I I think. Now, I loved I loved Rubber Soul, but I think that was before Sergeant Pepper's. Rubber Soul Revolver and Sergeant Pepper, yeah. Yeah, and Rubber Soul is one of my one of my favorites. My my all-time favorite. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, cuz I'm trying to think what's on there. I'm looking through you. Um, drive my car. Oh yeah, drive my Nowhere car. Man. I'm... Is um oh, oh why am I back in uh there are places I in my life. Is yep. that on there? That's on there. Yeah. Okay, that's one of my all-time favorite Beatles songs, right yeah, there. Yeah, I love that song. See, and a lot of people, I think, you know, casual Beatles fans, they they think that's on one of the later albums. Um, really? Well, from what I've heard, yeah, yeah, because uh, to mm. me, it almost sounds like it belongs on, say, Abbey Road. Mm, yeah. Yeah, just it's that kind that of a beat. look back. Yeah. 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 Um, and is it when I'm 64? Is that on that album or is that no? That's Pepper. Sergeant Pepper's. That's yep. right. That's right. So yeah, for me, I, I have to go with Abbey Road. Okay. Just because, man, it was the last one, and I I had always heard. I've been listening to this Audible book about the Beatles, and Which one? oh gosh, what's the name of it? It's about 13 hours long. No, oh, it's gonna bother me now. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's about four or five of them. I can't remember the name of this one, but. It's brilliantly written. Um, like the first few chapters are talking about John Lennon's childhood, and then the, the next few are talking about Paul McCartney's, and then eventually how they meet um, Ringo. And uh, of course, George was before Ringo. Um, I, I'm trying it's to. It's not tune in, is it? No, no. no. Let me, here, I'm going to look it up right now. But yeah, um, I remember there was definitely some feuding going on toward the, you know, the, the latter end of the run. Um, yeah, and I yeah. knew that the, you know creatively they were clashing quite a bit, and I know they had recorded. I don't know if they did the White albums separately. There was one album where you know they'd go in and do their track and leave. You know, they, they yeah, the White album was uh, some of the some of it was like that. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of towards the latter part of their run. But I think Abbey Road, they had all kind of said, "Okay, guys, let's all work together. 
Let's all go back to the original studio. Let, let's try to make the best album we can, put our egos aside. And I think it was an amazing album. Yeah, it is, for sure. I mean, if you're going to end the Beatles, the, quite possibly the greatest band, I think the greatest band of all time. I do too. Yeah, <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> uh, then I think this was a great, great send-off for them. I, I just love, I love Abbey Road so much. But yeah. let, let me look up that book, The Beatles. I can tell you right now. Uh, it was, okay, <laughs> I feel ashamed about this. The Beatles, the biography. Oh, uh, Mark Spitz? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Very, very good, very good. I've yeah. not listened to Tune In yet, but my goodness, it looks like it's 43 hours. Yeah, and that's just up to 63? Wow. It's so great. Have you, have, so you've read it or heard it? Yeah, I read it, yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that's Mark Lewis, and he's written uh, a couple of really... He wrote the Beatles recording sessions, which uh, kind of made me flunk a semester of college. <laughs> about that see that's how much of a fan that's dedication right there guys. yeah a little bit too much dedication <laughs> <laughs> very cool so uh so who's your guy in the beatles are you a john lennon guy paul yeah George? i would have to say john lennon guy yeah oh, yeah man. you know i i kind of always thought in my mind that john lennon was a, a he was a brilliant mind but he certainly knew he was and he was a little arrogant and maybe oh, that, definitely yeah yeah maybe that's partially true but I also really kind of, my heart breaks for his past, you know, especially yep. when, oh, I can't remember his girlfriend's name, when she was killed in a car accident. No, his mother. Was it his mother? Yeah. Wow, okay, I did not know that. Yeah. See, see, I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, it was somebody he loved and, yes. and somebody that made a huge impact on his life. And it seemed like that kind of really stuck with him. And, and, yeah. I, and I wonder how much of an inspiration that was on a lot of his songs. As a matter of fact, I've got this book. Um, I got it at Barnes & Noble not long ago. It's uh, just based on all the lyrics of every single song from every single album. Oh, okay. Oh, it's really, really good. Um, yeah. You know, so it shows kind of snapshots of the lyrics. And I forget who wrote it, but uh, it's pretty incredible, you know, how much detail and how many theories there are about, you know, what these songs are oh, about. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. a lot, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a college course right in itself. Yeah. <laughs> Probably oh, a college yeah. major. <laughs> oh, I, sh I can go back to school then. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> totally oh, useless degree. <laughs> oh, you kidding? Whatever. You could do a podcast about it. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be professor that was first. one of the subjects. It was either going to be Atari or the Beatles, and I chose Atari. Wow. Both you could talk about for pretty much the rest of your life. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay, let me go to favorite some of your favorite songs. What are some of your all-time favorite Beatles songs? Um, Strawberry Fields is definitely my favorite. Oh, good one. That was my, my wife's favorite, too. Um, I'm the Walrus. Oh, really? I love that song. Oh, <laughs> I love that song so much. I play that for my students. They're like, what the heck? <laughs> Don't <Yeah>. ask. <laughs> yeah. Just cuckoo at you. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's hard because it's... It's the Beatles. Yeah. It's like every... I mean, Strawberry Fields is my favorite for so long, but I think um, I'm the Walrus is starting to creep up on it. So why that one? That is such an interesting, crazy song. Why? Why is that one one of your favorites? I think that's why because it's a <laughs> crazy, crazy song. It's just I like the sound of it. I like the 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 bass is really loud, and I like Paul McCartney's playing and the the kind of like not a drone exactly, but the just kind of shuffling. Mm -hmm. beat of the song and the 
the guitar there's a little bit of guitar in there but it just sounds really dirty and nasty yeah kind of quirky like yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's that's an interesting point and they were definitely experimenting with a lot of stuff and i'd love to read the the chapter on that song you know what oh yeah inspiration for those (laughs) lyrics were (laughs) (laughs) i am the ape man (laughs) it's illegal substances i believe Uh, i think that was the main inspiration for a lot of that Okay, so do you want to dispel, or maybe it's true, but from the things I've read, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, is it about drugs or not? Not according to John Lennon and his son. Apparently his son brought home a painting yes, of that's what um, his schoolmate called Lucy, and it mm-hmm. was she was in the sky with diamonds, and, and they actually have produced the painting. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I'd love to see it. <laughs> so it's out there on the internet somewhere, I think. I was wondering the same thing because I, I, I think I read in that biography that they had talked about that quite a bit. And uh, it's it's kind of crazy that, you know, it does. I mean, you listen to lyrics you're like, oh, my gosh, what's yeah. going on here? And just the way the way Paul's singing. So, okay, well, what I'll do real quickly is I'll name an album. You tell me some of your favorite songs from that album. Okay. Okay, Abbey Road. We'll start with that one. Abbey Road. Um, here Comes the Sun. Oh, I love that song. Uh, Come Together. Go. Great song. Yeah. I want you is a really great song too. It's hard you can't oh, really yeah. separate the the medley songs though, so I I just oh. saved the whole medley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want you is a great one. Yeah, um, and she, uh, that's the one. She's so heavy, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and that that Oh, that guitar it's on yes, forever. Man. Yeah, I love that. I love oh, that it just keeps repeating and and yeah. just gets louder and the static. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Great stuff. All right. Um. How about how about the first one? Please please me. Please please me. Uh, there is a place is definitely a favorite. Their version of Twist and Shout I really love. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's, I love that voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apparently they recorded another one. Is that was one take, and they recorded another one after that. But his voice was too shot. I would love to hear that. Oh man, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah, because his voice was about shot in that one. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, that's great. But, you know, that kind of gave it that raw sound that yeah. later on, I guess, we crowned as grunge. <laughs> yeah, and then the, the studio notes, he st- they said he was drinking milk during the <laughs> sessions. Like, that's not that's the worst thing you could drink <laughs> when you're trying to record something and sing. Oh, that's great. I love it. Yeah. So, okay, um, how about, let's see, um, Sergeant Pepper's. Sergeant Pepper, Day in the Life definitely is a favorite. Mm, that is uh, a beautiful song. Yeah, I love that song. Especially the, the orchestra. It just gets me every time, the whole orchestra swelling thing. I love that so much. Yeah, uh, that, that's probably my favorite uh, song on that album, too. That's just a good one. And that that's yeah. the last one on there, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Pepper, for me, has kind of fallen off from, you know, because everybody said it was the greatest album ever made. and I, I bought into that, and then after a while, I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but I don't think it's their personally. This is oh, my opinion. No. I don't think it's their best. I don't think it's even in my top five. Wow, no kidding! Yeah. Just Beatles albums. Yeah. Do you put "Please Please Me" above it? No. Oh, okay. okay. No, I don't think so. That, that's probably. I mean, of course, that that was the beginning of everything. That's probably right. my least favorite out of all of them. But there's some great songs in there, like you said, "Twist and Shout." I like the first song. I saw her standing there. Oh, I forgot to mention that yeah. one. Yeah. She was yeah. just 17. I mean, that's one of those those rocking songs. Yeah. Uh, let's see. How about, we've talked about the White Album, but I don't know if you've mentioned many songs yet. So what do you think about that one? Um, Cry Baby Cry. I love Cry Baby Cry. Um, probably mostly Lennon stuff on that. Uh, Dear mm-hmm. Prudence. 
Oh, good one. Uh, I'm so tired. Your blues. Uh, everybody's got something high except me and my monkey. <laughs> I really liked Long, 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 George Harrison, one of George Harrison's songs on there. And, of course, Helter Skelter. Oh, absolutely. Song. No Blackbird, really. Oh, Blackbird is great, too. Oh, okay. Martha, my, I, I mean, I'm just going to name all the songs on the way yeah, up. Right. <laughs> all, uh, what is it, 20-some songs on there? Uh, 31? 30, oh, my gosh. Look, man, yeah. look at you. You got the specifics down and everything. You could do a podcast. I could be your it would foil. Be, I, I would never stop if I did a Beatles podcast. <laughs> I'd never stop talking. That's great. That's great. You could do the next audio book. Instead of uh, yeah. 43-hour one, we'll try for 143. Right. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, uh, so I'll start with the uh, next one will be Revolver. Oh, gosh. Uh, tomorrow Never Knows for sure. What about Yellow Submarine? Uh, I could take or leave Yellow Submarine. Really? Because I was thinking since you're an I'm, I Am Walrus, or I Am the Walrus fan, I thought you'd be all over that one. Well, Yellow Submarine is actually how I got into them because oh. they, they did it on Sesame Street when I was really little, and I used to sing it around the house, and my dad, <laughs> my dad got um, the Love Songs album. That was the first Beatles album that we had. Oh, I don't know why he got that one because it didn't have um, Yellow Submarine on it, but uh, he told me who it was and you know, whenever a song came on the radio, because he listened to oldies even in the 70s, and whenever a Beatles song came on, he would tell me that that's the Beatles. And, that's so cool. And that's what really started it for me. Yeah, because you know, I guess you, you're definitely younger than you know, when, they were, when they were out. Oh, yeah. So you were exposed to it later on. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's so funny. That, that was me, too. Um, I was actually just a diehard '80s metal guy, and I love. I still, I still have a passion for '80s metal, but I've my my range is kind of totally changed, and it all I owe it all to a good friend and coworker, um, and pretty much my hero. When I first started teaching, I worked alongside uh, Alan Hobbs. That was his name, and he taught eighth grade English, where I taught seventh grade, and we were side by side. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I'd get there early in the morning, and so would he, and I guess. You know, he would prep and I would prep. And I'd be grading papers, whatever I had to do, and he'd be blasting music. <laughs> so, and if, he was such a legend. Like, he was on his way out. He was 30 years teaching, and he was a legend. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy, when he taught, he performed. And I'd oh, never yeah. seen anything like it. I mean, it was incredible. So, anyways, I kind of looked up to him, but I was intimidated by him because he was so smart. But, you know, that music, he kept blasting stuff. So, I, was, I just kind of casually walked in his class one time. And he was playing some Hendrix, and I liked Hendrix. Oh, and okay. He was playing Little Wing, I remember, and he and I were talking about that. And this is like the second year. So I, for a whole year, I didn't hardly talk to him much because I was intimidated by him. Right. Um, so second year, finally, I was like, you know what? I like Hendrix. Let's. I'm going to try to talk music with this guy. So uh, I talked to him about that, and he was a diehard Beatles fan. Oh, wow. And I knew nothing about the Beatles. I kind of thought, and I know, I hope this doesn't hurt your feelings, kind of thought the Beatles were a little cheesy. <laughs> no. I did. I did. Like, you know, she loves you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the time, I was like, oh, man, I don't know about the Beatles. But um, I remember he started playing some Beatles stuff, and he said, listen to the words. And I would listen to the words. Oh, and the more okay. I listened to the words, the more I started appreciating the quirky sound. And that kind of changed everything. That opened the gates. When I finally got the Beatles, mm-hmm. and I think my first album I really sunk my teeth into was... I want to say it was Abbey Road was my first one I really sunk my teeth into, which was the last one. And that kind of opened the floodgates for all these. Now that I was officially, I don't know, opened up to this world, I was, I was open to the idea of, okay, this is a totally different sound from 80s metal, but right. 
I, I love these words. I love these lyrics. These are so deep. And then I really got into other bands like um, uh, Jim Croce, mm. a huge Croce fan, probably my second favorite. Wow, uh, that's band. awesome. Oh, love him. Love him. Uh, some of his stuff, like The Hard Way Every Time, Roller Derby Queen. I mean, the guy can make you laugh and make you cry yeah. within two songs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I only <laughs> oh, know like the, the I only scratch the surface with him, but you're right. Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, but yeah. So what we do is like it was a morning tradition. Uh, every morning we'd still get there early, and I pile up in his room or he pile up in mine because I brought my guitar and we would just play Beatles like every day. Oh wow, that's awesome. Oh, so fun, man. And uh, he taught me some chords with the Beatles and stuff, and. And of course, Croce and, and uh, John Dever and a few others during, uh, you know, around the '70s and '60s and things like that. So I owe him to my love for the Beatles now. And the more it's kind of like with, I don't know, certain certain bands. The more you listen to them, the more you love them, and the more you realize how complex some of these songs are, and just yes. how zany and crazy and experimental they are. Yep. It it. So now I'm I'm just I'm not just confined to '80s. I still love '80s pop. Still love '80s metal. But I think I love stuff from the 60s and 70s more <laughs> are, are you do you find it difficult to get into newer music yes yeah oh hands down i i really do i don't listen to a lot of newer music so i guess it's kind of unfair to say that it's bad right right i it's just it's subjective um i just i just i don't know i i like what i like and i stick with the stuff i know which is kind of i don't know i guess a isolated way to look at things but I think it's I think it's the natural way to look at things. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, they say the stuff that you listen to when you were 14 is the stuff you listen to for the, for the rest of your life. What about that? Huh? That's I mean, crazy. I, I tried to break out of that. I used to listen to um, the All Songs Considered podcast, and wow. I had to stop listening because I wanted to buy everything, and I didn't have the money. <laughs> so, and back then, I was not not real happy with just buying electronically. Yeah. So, I've gotten a little bit more used to that now. So are you a uh, record kind of guy or CDs or what, what's your favorite medium for music? Uh, probably records. I was listening to a record last night that I, this is the first time I've listened to it on record because I've, I've had the CD for years, since the 90s. Uh, it was a Big Star's number one record. Oh, you're a Big Star fan. Yes. Oh, gosh. oh is... 13 is my, one of my favorite songs. Really? Oh, I love that song. It's so sad. I don't. I don't. Something about it makes me sad every time. Even though I it's think about... it's just. I think it's just them generally. <laughs> it's just <laughs> definitely a twinge of melancholy in all their music. But oh yeah. So okay. All right. Going with Big Star. Have you yeah. ever heard of a band called The Replacements? Oh sure. Yeah. See, I love '60s. Um, of course, the Beatles. I love that stuff. Love Croce. But I also love a lot of that early kind of alternative mm -hmm. and punk rock scene. The Replacements, one of my all-time favorites. I love my favorite album from them is. Um, Oh, it's where they're all sitting on the roof. Let it be. Let it, Let be? it be. Yeah. So, which is kind of a nice tie into the Beatles. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I I have to get more into the replacements. I haven't heard much, but what I have heard, I really like. Well, you know it, the the thing about them. I read their biography, which is uh, called Trouble Boys. Oh, okay. Um, oh, it's fantastic, but it's it's like a six hundred, seven hundred page book. It's a monster. But the thing about them is like, I don't know if either intentionally or unintentionally. They were the worst best band or best worst band. Yeah, I've of heard that. Punk yeah. band of all time. Yeah. I mean, when they were on, they were amazing. But a lot of times during their live, their live recordings or their live um, shows, they were drunk so drunk they could hardly perform. Yes. And uh, you know, it it was one of those strange things about them. And then the, when they disbanded in the late '80s, when the lead guitarist left, um, and eventually he died in the early '90s. He did not live a very long life. Um, 
you know, their, their sound had completely changed, and Paul Westerberg, the lead singer, he went off and did his own thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's funny. Um, the replacements kind of got me into Big Star. Cause oh, they have, okay. Th- they have a song called um, Alex, Alex Shilton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, listen, I listened to the lyrics, and I was like, okay, I'll check out Big Star. And then that's when I listened to the number one record and loved it. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. What, what, what's the one? It's like the Ballad of Goodo or El something? El Goodo. Like Goodo, Goodo. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. Ain't no... Um, something ain't to no... get me down. Yeah. I forget, I forget. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really good. I got into them through REM because they wouldn't shut up about Big Star. So oh, like, REM. I got it. I've never, I'd never heard of them before. I'd never seen any records by them or anything. So I just bought it blind. It's like, well, wow. if REM likes them, I guess they're, they're good. Yeah. So that's what they were talking about. Was uh, yes. Goes out to the one I love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. That's so okay. So REM. So were you into the kind of '90s and I guess late '80s, '90s kind of all? alternative and grunge era um grunge not so much i guess what was i listening to in the 90s um i definitely listen to rem they might be giants Bashy boys big fit no <laughs> <laughs> portishead i like portishead quite a bit they're like a what do they call trip hop i think oh okay it's I, I don't know what it is about that music but i really love it no kidding huh? yeah that's There's, something i don't know a lot about yeah it's i'm I've not heard much else, much other trip hop besides Portishead, but I know that's out there. Hmm. It's just waiting for me to discover it, I yeah, guess. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm, I listened to Nirvana. I didn't listen to Pearl Jam at the time, but yeah. later on I did. That was me. That was me. I, at first, I, I was like, I don't get Pearl Jam. You yeah. Know, and when I when I was a teenager, I'm starting to warm up to them now. Now that yeah. I'm, uh, you know, in my thirties. But like at first, I just didn't get it. I didn't like the guy's voice at first. Right. Um, but. I, I like some some early '90s stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I got into. Of course, when I was a teenager, I got the cool thing. Like every kid, like Nirvana, you yep. just had to. That was a rule. Mm-hmm. And I still like some of their stuff. Um, but what about uh, okay? What about '80s pop? Were you in any of that stuff? Um, some of it. Not at the I, now. I really like it, but at the time, I didn't listen to much of it. I was listening to a lot of '60s stuff in the '80s. What about that? That's funny. Yeah, because I was starting to get into records and stuff, and I found Goldmine magazine, so I could mm-hmm. order records from all these other places that I couldn't find, oh, or so a, cool. a lot of out-of-print stuff. And I listened to Paul Revere and the Raiders and Herman's Hermits and the Bo Brummels and Love and Spoonful. Oh, and, a lot of that stuff, I don't know what that is. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> and I still listen to that stuff, too. I still love all of it. Oh, so cool, so cool. And, and then I, I skipped right over to Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff. I mean, if you're in high school, I think it's kind of the law. It seems like it anyway. Pink Floyd, love Pink Floyd. Are you a huge fan? Or? Yes, yes. Oh, gosh. Okay, favorite Pink Floyd album? Animals. Oh, really? Animals? Yes. Uh, was that oh. the one that had... Um... Not, not war pigs. That's um, Black Sabbath. Just pigs. Pigs, that's it. Yes. Yeah. Pigs, <laughs> dogs, and sheep. <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff. I love those songs so much. See, I I, I think I was a... Uh, my first one was Dark Side, um, the first one I ever listened to. Great album, really like it. Brain Damage is amazing. Yes. Um, Then I heard... I remember my um, uncle had a wicked stereo system, and he played uh, The Wall, the entire Wall album, and, and it was on record, so... Yeah. Uh, it was just... Oh, it was incredible. That when I first heard that, especially the helicopter, oh, yeah, the yeah. subwoofer going, I was Stereo, like, "Oh my oh, gosh!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd say my all-time favorite album would have to be 
I, you know, I really like the Division Bell, and I know really? that album gets a little bit of criticism, um, but that's my second favorite. I go with Wish You Were Here. Oh, okay. It's my all-time favorite. Really like the kind of the um, electronic feel, the kind of robotic feel of the entire album, and yeah. I love, of course, the song Wish You Were Here itself. Oh, so. yeah. I love that song. Oh, great song. I had a, when I was in high school, I had a 12-string and learned how to play it. And... Oh, no way. Yeah, I love that song. So, so you play a lot of guitar still? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Now, I heard you play a guitar on one of your skits one time, or you wrote a song. And... Yeah, I, that's, I mean, I can still play basically chords and stuff. That's all I could really play when I played, because I was uh, a bass player first. Oh, nice. Were you ever uh, in a band or anything? Or? Oh, sure, yeah, a lot of bands. No way, really? Yeah, I actually played at CBGB's once. Get out of here. Yeah. See, <laughs> I'm my... so glad we did the show. There's so much I'm learning about you. That's, that's funny. My, probably my musical high point was playing at CBGB's. That is so funny. That is, that's yeah. really cool. So, uh, okay, well, what time period was this? Uh, are we talking 80s that here? That was 89, I think. Wow, no kidding. So yeah. how long were you in the band scene? Um, I was in, I guess I started in freshman year of high school, and I kind of stopped right before we got married. So uh, what was that, about nine years? No, Wow, big chunk of your life. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what kind of music? Um, in high school, it was mostly cover stuff. Uh, I was in a band. It was kind of like um, I don't know how to describe, like a reggae, rap, metal, thrash, punk. Get out of here! Really? <laughs> oh my! Wow! I had no idea. Yeah, they they had established themselves, and then the bass player left, and then I really liked their music, so I filled in for a little while. That's wow. the band I played at CBGB's with. So. No, mind if I ask what the name of the band was? True Detectives. True Detectives. That is so cool. Man, I'm telling you, you were undercover this whole whole time. (laughs) Had no idea. (laughs) That is incredible, man. Do you have any, uh, like, albums or anything or anything you've recorded uh, that's out there? There, If you go to truedetectives.com, I think there's a couple of the songs I played on on there. They have their own website? Yeah. The bass player that that came after me kind of is the... Uh, the chronic he's chronicling all their stuff so i would love okay do you remember any of the songs you're part of because i gotta listen i gotta listen to this this is oh gosh i would have to look i think i uh, there's a song called detective story that i'm pretty sure that uh i played on that one because i wasn't in there very long and we didn't record too much when i was in the band we recorded some practices and stuff but not not very much but Detective Story, for sure, I think, is that was from CPGB, So That is so cool. Ah, that is really awesome. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, played, I played a little bit. Um, my, uh, my first job I ever had was at a restaurant, and I was a dishwasher. And um, the guy who owned the place, uh, it was kind of a bed and breakfast place, uh, he was really into a lot of kind of eclectic music. And he was a really good guitar player, and he taught me just kind of the basic chords. And I only had one lesson with him. I, I remember one time... We were closing the restaurant early because there was a wicked snowstorm. Mm. He, he bought out his guitar and he just started strumming. I said, "Hey, can you teach me some of those chords?" And he did. He taught me all the chords, and um, I started practicing at the house. And um, I was never—I'm still kind of very sloppy and clunky. But boy, I I, say that. Oh, thanks, buddy. I've I, seen you play. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, yeah, you I'm, do a good job, dude. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Well, that means a lot <laughs> coming from uh, True Detective. No kidding. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I mean, no. I'm telling you, I am nine years in a band. That's incredible, but you know, I, uh, I I really enjoy it. It's for me, and I'm sure it's probably the same for you. It's it's 
Another thing, it's a kind of a stress reliever, and another thing that time just flies by when you pick up a guitar. Yeah. It, it really does. My goodness. But uh, I need to do it more. And you're very brave. You put yourself out there. <laughs> I think, no, I mean, you put songs online all the time. And I just wish I could do something like that, but I'm, I could not do that. Well, thing is, th here's my thing, and this is something I struggle with. You know, I, I do that, and I feel like immediately, as soon as I post something, I kind of like, oh, God, why did I do that? And then I, <laughs> I start thinking, oh, you know, people are going to think I'm just doing this for attention, or I don't know. You start getting that weird kind of guilt mm -hmm. feeling when you post your own stuff online. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know how to explain it. It's very strange, but uh, so that's why I don't, I don't really – I write a lot more than I actually post, but I just – I get embarrassed every time I do it, and I never, very rarely do I play in front of people because I just can't do it. S singing and playing at the same time is a struggle for me. It's always Oh, been. is it? Oh, big time, big time. Oh, if okay. I'm not strumming a chord, I can't do it. Like if I'm picking individual strings, it's it takes hours and hours of rehearsing to do both. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I remember the first time I heard you play was on the podcast, and I was just like, I couldn't believe that you... That you had the the chutzpah, I guess I don't want to say it, another word. Like, wow, that is amazing. I think oh, thanks, it, it was man. the. I mean, it was the. I think it was the arcades song that you did from the Bush. Oh, the Bush song. okay. Oh God, I. Uh... That's the first time I heard that. I was like, wow, I can't. That's amazing. Oh, thanks, buddy. I, I would never. I mean, that's kind of what inspired me to do mine. Oh, I love it. It was songs. just a. I, it wasn't as long, but it's just a couple. I think it was a verse or something. You got the chops, man. You can sing. First of all, you got a great radio voice <laughs> thank you and, and second of all man i i was impressed with your guitar playing and everything i was like dang ferg i didn't know you had that in you it was, imp it was impressive i need to practice more oh whatever get out of here <laughs> <laughs> well i do i would like to i just never i need to i need to get some learn some time management because i don't have any of that i don't i never did i never did it was either all in or all out yeah and that's why i've <laughs> That's why everyone busts my chops about retiring, and I—I I guess I was kind of stupid to say I'm retiring because you know there's, you know, just when I think I'm out, something pulls me back in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was I, nice hearing you on Genesis Gems on the last show. Oh, thanks, buddy. I—I I, yeah. I really appreciate it. It's—it's it's nice to do it now, and it's—it's a lot of fun. You know, that's the thing. You know, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's something addictive about what we do, you know? Oh, just... definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you get away from it for a little while. There's a pulling. You want to come back, and you want to... It's almost like writing a song, you know? You you want to create something again. And yep. not only for, for the enjoyment of others, but, you know, f almost for yourself, too. It's like you want to do something you're proud of and something yeah. you really love to do. Yep. Yeah, so... Man, I had so many other questions... But, uh, oh, man, we got to do this again, Ferg. We got oh, to. Oh, definitely. This was fun. And I learned so much about you. My goodness. <laughs> so, um, okay, rapid fire. I'm going to just fire off a couple more questions, and then I'll, I'll cut you loose, my friend. But uh, Okay. All right. Here's some of the questions. Favorite movie? Oh. It's not so rapid, huh? <laughs> um. Uh, you know what? I... In light of recent events and having watched it again a couple of days ago, I would say Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, nice. That's a yeah. classic. Absolutely. It was so good. You know, I actually just watched it for the first time about five years ago. Oh, yeah? Did you like it? it? I, I, at first, I was like, I don't get the big fuss. But then I watched it again and again and again. And it's like, man, this is a very different movie. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's good, though. It's, it's good. Yeah. Um, okay. 
favorite toy growing up, or one of your favorites? Uh, aside from the Atari? Yes, aside from any video game console. Uh, 2XL. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember the 2XL. 8-track playing robot. Yes. And you probably remember the... Uh... The cassette version. The cassette version. That's the one I have. Yeah. Yes, the silver one. But I I do know what the 2XL looks like. Yep. Yep. (laughs) All right. And let's see what else I have here. Oh, favorite TV show? MASH. Oh, I love MASH. That's another one. I could do a podcast on MASH. Yeah, I don't think they're... Ooh. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) The uh, episode-by-episode podcast. (laughs) You know, it was life-changing for me. Well, not really life-changing, but when I got the DVDs and you could toggle the laugh track on or off, it is so much better without the laugh track. No, I didn't even so notice So much better, yeah. Oh. Yep. Gosh, just the wit. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, my gosh, my, my grandfather would watch it, and a lot of times he'd fall asleep with MASH on while I'd, he babysat us a lot of times, and I'd be cutting his grass, and then I'd come back in. He's, he's sleeping on the couch, and MASH was on. And I couldn't find the remote, so I just kind of... <laughs> sit through it and I'm like I don't get this I don't know yeah. what's going on but then when you're an adult you appreciate the humor and the wit mm-hmm. uh, so much more in the writing Yeah, and you know you realize that there are some episodes that are just slapstick there are some episodes that are incredibly witty and funny and there are some episodes that will downright make you cry yes yeah so it's got that's everything sure. they got it everything does, yeah. I love the characters that's that's an excellent show uh, probably one of my favorites as well and Okay, um, I guess the last thing I, I, I could ask you, man, is, uh, you know, looking back at your podcasting career, so to speak, like, what, what is podcasting and just kind of being part of the retro community mean to you? Uh, it means everything to me. I mean, it means I, I have a hard time making friends and meeting people. And I'm surprised. I do. I, I'm like you. I'm shy and I don't like talking to people. <laughs> I can't. I can't go up to someone. If someone comes up to me, it's a totally different story. But it's hard for me to approach people. But with the podcast, I mean, those people. I guess they all came to me, kind of in a way. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess I was offering something that they were interested in, and then I just, I just, am so grateful for all the people that are listening, all the people I've met, and all the support I get from you guys, and it's just. I mean, it's a. I, I never. I never thought something like this would happen, you know? Yeah. Because I was always worried, not really worried, but I started to think about, well, what is my, I don't have kids, so I don't have, you know, I, I tied up my legacy in with kids. Once we didn't have kids, it's like, well, that's it. Nobody's going to care about anything that I ever did, you know, because I didn't do anything. But yeah. with this, it, I feel like that's, this is a, a legacy I can be proud of. I know it's kind of a dumb thing at the end of the day but to me it's not and to a lot of other people it's not so well i'll tell you what the reason your christmas episode meant so much to me uh is you're so honest and i think that's part of the appeal that like you know sure your show's about atari and that there's a lot of atari fans but i think what people like just as much if not more is your sincerity and and i think for me, I've never listened to a show that was so so sincere as yours. I, I've never listened to anything like it. And I think there's a lot of people that want to say what you actually say, you know, and, and they're, yeah. they're afraid to say it, and you have the, the guts to say it. I think that's so encouraging, man. From, from the first time I heard your show till, till now, I mean, I am just so impressed, so um, 
inspired uh, because I'm shy as well. I relate to a lot of the things you're saying, uh, a lot of the things. And it's amazing how similar we are, provided, you know, we do have an age difference, but we're exactly the same in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, yep. And anyways, I just, I consider you um, a good friend, a great friend, and an incredible human being. And I'm oh. not, and I know you're, you, if you're like me, taking compliments is awkward <laughs> yeah, and hard. It's hard, yeah. But, but you know, it, it, I got to get it out there for our listeners, uh, too, who I'm sure have heard your show and would uh, agree with me um, that, you know, you have a tremendously kind heart, that you are everything I love about the Retro Junkies community. And, um, man, you, you're a legend in what you do. And you say, you say that, you know, it's not. You know, it seems on the surface it's just a podcast, right? But think yeah. about all the people that we have the opportunity to talk to. You know, yeah. so many people we've not even met. So many people that might be shy like us that don't even want to reach out but have been listening since day one. Yeah. That is incredible to think about. And, uh, you know, I just find it so, so encouraging that uh, you're able to do what you do. And pretty much you are – I think you set the standard for any host – um, of any podcast because of the quality of your show um, and of the heart of your show, uh, it's just it's awesome. And I'm du- dude, I'm so thankful that you came on today. So thankful you're part of the Retro Junkies Network. And just uh, to borrow a line from uh, Golden Girls, thank you for being a friend, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're a pal and a confidant. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for the kind words, Rob. I really appreciate it. Of course, thank you. man. Of course. And we will do this again because there is so much more we could talk about. But um, last thing, how can um, our listeners, if there's anybody out there that's not heard your show, how can they find you? Well, you can uh, go to the, what is my blog page? Uh, 2600gamebygamepodcast.blogspot.com, and all the stuff is on there. Uh, email's on there, and all the shows are there, and Facebook and Twitter's on there, so that would be the best place. Absolutely. Go check out the show. It's It's fantastic. Ferg? You're going to come back, right? I didn't say I will you come off. back. Yes. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right. Good deal, man. Hey, I had an absolute blast. And, I did too. Uh, thank you, Rob. Oh, thank you, man. And thanks for coming on. And I will get this episode uh, edited as quickly as I can. Uh, you know, I know you have, you know, you have more to do than I do. So. No way. No way. Get out of here. <laughs> whenever you, whenever you get to it, it's fine. No All rush. All right, buddy. Hey, man. Are you recording Turtle Flakes now? Fixing to, yeah. 9.30, uh, we start uh, the next episode, so I'm doing my marathon now, and then I promise... Oh, gosh, it's 9.30. <laughs> okay. No, no, I, I promised a lady, I promised a lady that uh, afterwards I go shopping with her, so... Uh, okay. Yeah, she, she she made a deal with me, so... Okay, that's good. <laughs> I'll tell her I said hello, and tell Josh I said hello, too. I sure will, buddy. Hey, thanks again, man. I had a, I had a blast. I did, too. Thank you so much, Rob. <laughs>